Today, November 10th, 2020, the United States Marine Corps is celebrating their 245th birthday. Marines past and present hold this day as sacred and many will celebrate, often with cake. Having the oldest and youngest Marine cut the cake together. The United States Marine Corps got its start on November 10th in 1775 in a bar called Tun Tavern in Philadelphia. Their motto, Semper Fidelis, often shortened to Semper Fi, means always faithful in Latin. This symbolizes the lifelong commitment held by every Marine for the Corps and America. A promise reciprocated by the Corps to all Marines. Our episode today is with Jessica Goodell, a Marine veteran who served in the early 2000s. The first female Marine, Ofa Mae Jacob Johnson, enlisted in August of 1918 during World War I. Women were enlisted at this time to take over office jobs at Marine Corps headquarters so that the men who usually did them could be sent overseas. These Marines also supported nurses tending to victims of the 1918 influenza pandemic. Over the years, these brave women became vital and today, all Marines, regardless of sex or gender, serve side by side. The Homeland Heroes Foundation, the Homeland Heroes Salute, and Derry Cam are all proud to wish every United States Marine a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Marine. You are listening to the Homeland Heroes Salute, sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation and produced by Derry Cam. This podcast sometimes deals with mature content that may not be suitable for a younger audience and could be triggering for some individuals. Discretion is advised. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. No views expressed in this podcast represent any of the uniform services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, or any other organization. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute. My name is Alyssa. Today, I am joined by just Dr. Jessica Goodell. Hi, Jess. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, so to get started, uh, can you share a little bit with the audience who you are, what branch you served in, um, and any fun facts about yourself? Um, sure. My name is Jessica. So I served in the Marine Corps from 2001 to 2005. Um, fun facts? I don't know. I have a dog. I love her. Um <laughs> I don't know any fun facts. Um, I'm really into academia and reading um, and family, I guess. Yeah, so I think um, a, a big fun fact about yourself is that um, Jessica is the author of Shade It Black, a memoir about her time in the service um, and when she was deployed. And you were deployed where again? So I was deployed to Iraq. Um, I was at a place at the time it was called Camp Takatum. Um, it's just a couple miles west of Baghdad. And that was during 2004. So yeah, so what led you to the decision to serve? Did you have any family members that influenced your decision? Um, I didn't. Um, my grandpa was in the Navy and I had an uncle that served in the Navy as well. Um, but that really, I guess it was kind of just like in the back of my mind. Um, I don't really think I felt any um, desire to go into the military, um, as a result of my family. But, um, 
for me, what ended up happening is um, uh, I happened to be in high school. I was 18 and there was a recruiter there and he was in his Marine Corps their their dress blues so it's a like a dress uniform and he happened to be um standing in the class that I was in because he was going to use the classroom when our class was over and i remember going up to him and saying you know what are you doing in, in our high school in our classroom and he said well you know i'm here to recruit some of the young men into the marine corps and for me, that kind of triggered my feminism. And so I thought, uh, <laughs> and I said, um, you know, what about the young women? And like the perfect recruiter that he was, he said, you know, why don't you come down to my office and talk about it? Um, and I did. And I feel like the rest yeah. is kind of history. Um, yeah. There were a few things that happened in his office, too, that kind of just made me really want to prove myself. And, um, and so I ended up joining, like, on the spot. So more like spur of the moment than something that I had planned, you know, since childhood. Sure. What were those other things that um, really kind of made you go, this is what I'm doing yeah. with my life? Yeah, that kind of pushed me. Um, so, so I go to his office and, you know, I was just kind of like entertaining the thought at that point. I wasn't really serious about it. Um, but he, so in the Marine Corps, at that time, the recruiter handed me a binder and in the binder were pictures, laugh at the joke, I guess, um, <laughs> pictures for Marines about like different jobs that they could do. And then like little blurbs about, um, you know, the description of the job. And so I'm flipping through this binder and I'm looking at all the pictures. And the first thing that I saw that caught my eye was a tank. And so I said, you know, oh my gosh, that would be so cool to work on a tank. And he said, oh, well, actually, you know, in the Marine Corps, women don't work on the tank crews. And I was like, oh, oh. my God, this guy's like two for two, right? Like, oh, my gosh. So in that moment, I kind of decided that I was going to pick the most masculine job for me, you know, that, that I could think of sure. um, in this binder that I was allowed to do. And so for me, that was heavy equipment, um, diesel mechanic. So I pointed to this picture awesome. of which is basically like um like construction equipment like it's this huge giant equipment um and so i pointed to the picture and i was like that's what i want to do and he was like you sure you know and i was like yes that um and kind of i guess a little comical is that like i knew nothing about mechanics like nothing um oh no i had a car <laughs> no yeah i had a car and we had to put the gas and that was about it um, yep. but I was like, so determined, you know, um, I'm going to prove myself. Um, so that was that. And then I ended up signing up and then I called my dad on the phone. He was my first phone call. I called him at work. And prior to this, um, experience, I was supposed to be going to college. Um, like that was what was expected of me. I'd already like taken a couple tours of a couple different colleges. I was already signed up to enroll in one of the colleges. And I called my dad and I was like, um, I'm not going to college, you know, silence. Um, I just joined the Marine Corps, silence. Um, so it really threw uh, my parents, my family, my plans. It kind of threw it all for a loop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, so college was definitely an option there. Um, and you just kind of, I guess, felt probably a little bit of a higher calling with with going to the Marines and 
being able to really prove yourself there. Um, what would you have studied if you went to college, like immediately after after high school? I was looking at psychology. I wanted to major in okay. The major that I was looking at was applied psychology. So I wanted initially to get into like advertising, like that kind of avenue of psychology. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And that ended up not happening oh. at all. Because <laughs> yeah. now um, you went, because you, after, obviously, you went back to school, um, you have your doctorate. What is your doctorate in? My doctorate actually is in psychology. Um, okay. So I still kind of kept the the, um, the focus of psychology, but I completely changed what I wanted to do with it. Um, Absolutely. So I think... Okay, so this is my just my opinion. I my I think that a lot of people join the military because they they want to make a difference, right? And they they want to help people. Like I really feel it like truly that people think that they're going to help people and make a difference and they're going to be somebody and you know they're they're going to go be somebody. They're going to go do something important and meaningful and valuable. And so for me, that was just that calling when I was in the, the, with the recruiter. Um, and so that's why I put the psychology on hold. Um, but then I kind of came back to the psychology when I got out, um, for for very different reasons. Um, yeah, but like in the same kind of vein, like searching for that meaning, that value, that purpose now with psychology. Yeah, that's and that's incredible that you you found that. Um, having read the book, I know you found that, <laughs> um, and we'll get to that in in the later episodes. But um, take us through. So you you graduated high. You went to the recruitment office. You signed up for the Marines. You graduated high school. When did you go yeah. to boot camp? Um, so I graduated in June of two thousand one. And then I took the summer to kind of be a kid. And then in August of 2001, that's when I went off to boot camp. And can you walk us through boot camp? What were, um, what were some of your expectations that may or may not have been met when you stepped foot in? It's, it's Paris Island, correct? Yep. Um, I had no idea what to expect. And um, <laughs> there's pros and cons of that. Um, <laughs> But it was it was um intense. Very, very intense. Um I I think that like a common notion I think that a lot of people um believe is that especially in the Marine Corps, the purpose of boot camp is to tear you down to build you back up. So whatever you walk in that door with, um kind of gets just uh eliminated. <laughs> you know, you're no longer um you no longer bring those. Okay. Well, you do traits obviously stay with you in your core, but, um, kind of some characteristics that a lot of us bring to the table and some mannerisms and maybe some vocabulary or, you know, just kind of like some superficial things kind of get tossed out the window. And then you are restructured, or at least I was restructured to be a Marine. So I learned how to talk and walk and act and behave um, and think and feel and do everything as this new person that I felt like I had was created in boot camp. Um, you know, certainly like I didn't lose my identity, but my identity got formed and shaped 
and shifted into a very strong um, military mindset through boot camp. Now, I think, and I think you mentioned it in your book that um, out of the Marines, there's about 6% that are female. Um, is that still true today? Um, I think the numbers have fluctuated a little bit more. I think, okay, but I could be wrong, but I do know that the numbers <laughs> have shifted. Um, um, I know for a little while there was um, an influx of females, and then I know there, I just read a recent article saying that they're going to be cutting a whole bunch of Marines from the um, Marine Corps. So I know that those numbers are going to shift again. Um, but sure. I think it kind of fluctuates right around that number. What kind of bonds, um, now this is almost 20 years ago, what kind of bonds did you make with other Marines and other female Marines in boot camp? Yeah, that's crazy. 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> bonds in boot camp um, were pretty significant. Um, and I, I think that okay. might be an understatement. Um, because, so it's in boot camp that you, are, or that I was taught, and I think a lot of us were taught, um, you kind of make this decision that the person's life next to you um, you need to do whatever it takes to protect them. So if that means that you're jumping on the grenade, if that means that you're taking the bullet, if that means that you are, you know, that you um, are going to risk your life, get injured in any sort of way, that decision is made in boot camp for the person next to you. Um, and so you have, um, like, they're called bunkies, people that you share your bunk with. Um, you have people in your fire team, in your squad, in your platoon, and all of these people um, you are willing to die for. And um, and I think that really creates a strong, intense bond, not only with those people, but then like with fellow Marines. Um, so then that mentality carries, that collective mentality carries into school and then into training. And then when you deploy and when you go to combat, you have this intense bond with the people next to you where you are responsible for them. Um, and I think that that's a big part of the reason why Marines 20 years later, 40 years or 60 or 80 years later, still feel such a strong connection to these people because these are people that I'm willing to sacrifice my life for. At one point in time, I was willing to do that. You know, at one point in time, I was responsible for their life. Um, so those bonds are just super intense. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely comes across in the memoir. Um, you speak about it many times, and it's something that you go back to a lot um, to really reinforce that idea. And it's something that what I find interesting is there's several branches in the military, and each one kind of has like this different, not necessarily code of conduct, but there's an innate thought in in um, I don't know the right word, but there's something that drives each branch separately, um, mm -hmm. which is so interesting. And it, that's, I think, something that the Marines just anyone. I mean, as a civilian, I know you never leave a Marine behind. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Um, pain is weakness leaving the body, you know, the, the yep. different things. So it's really interesting to see kind of first or listen to a firsthand um, explanation of it. Yeah, I think, okay, I've spent some time thinking about this and I'm, 
open <laughs> to being wrong about it. I'm probably am wrong about it. Um, my thought on it though, is that I think it's because like each branch has their own mission. Um, and so each mission kind of entails different things. I mean, ultimately, well, yes, we can all die in combat. Like it doesn't matter what branch, it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what race you, we, we're all vulnerable to that. Um, but we all mm-hmm. kind of go about it in a little different way. And you're absolutely right. Like it, it, it almost embodies itself differently in our yeah. mentality and in our bonds. Yeah. It totally does. I mean, I know in high school talking to guys that were um, thinking about going into being a Marine and it was like, they haven't even set foot into a recruiter's office, but it's like, it's there in their mind. So it's very, I think embodied is a the perfect word. That's what I think the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have to do any extra training in order to, it, for your job specifically? Yeah. So every, they're called MOSs. So military occupation specialty. Um, so everybody goes to their own special training. So after boot camp, okay, now back in 2001, after boot camp, we did this um, exercise called MCT, which was Marine Combat Training. And for us, we spent three weeks um, basically in the woods um, in North Carolina, um, digging holes, living in the holes, practicing combat, because um, it's combat training, um, practicing shooting firearms. Um, kind of the basics of combat from there and back in 2001. And I keep saying that because it just, it training changes with the times. So it's possible that people who are going through it right now are doing something different. But, um, but then after that, then we went to our specialty training school. And so for me, that was heavy equipment, diesel mechanic. Um, and I was there for about three months and um, <laughs> it was so funny. So every week, basically, we were learning a different topic. So maybe this week we're learning about brakes. Next week we're learning about hydraulics. Um, next week is fuel systems, right? It's all mechanics. Um, and for me, I, you know, I didn't know anything about mechanics, but I'm a really <laughs> good student. So um, I was sitting like front and center of every single class. I was writing down every single thing that, that, that the instructors were saying. Um, I was, I'm that, annoying person <laughs> raising my hand asking questions like I am super involved because I didn't know anything um and I knew that I had to absorb everything that I could um yeah. and so that happened and I actually ended up graduating um there were two of us that graduated at the top of our class um so for me that was like a really proud moment of going into a field I knew nothing about and putting a ton of work in, like I was studying every night. And there, I'm in this classroom with these guys that are, they've been working on tractors and cars and motorcycles their entire lives, you know? And yeah. I'm going home, like studying. <laughs> like I gotta read this stuff, I gotta look this <laughs> stuff up. Like, I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, and so for me, that was a really proud moment, like graduating at the top. And as a um, like a reward for doing that, we were able to pick our next duty station. Um, everyone kind of gets preferences, but we almost got like a guaranteed preference, so to speak. Um, oh, wow. So after school, yeah. So after school, um, my next duty station was Okinawa, Japan. How long were you there for? So that was, so you, you um, enlisted in 2001. 
by 2002, yeah. you were um, a graduated Marine, I guess you would, could call it. Yep. Um, yep. You had all your training. And then 2002 is also when you went to Okinawa, Japan. You had it. Yep. And so I'm in Okinawa. I'm working as a heavy equipment mech. Um, so basically what that means when you're active duty, um, you know, five days a week, you're putting on your camis, you're going to work, um, you're working as a mechanic five days a week. Um, and then having weekends off <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and I, so I was doing that and typically that duty station is a year long. Back then it was a year long. Um, however, okay. what ended up happening was that March, 2003 happened. And that was when the Marine Corps invaded Iraq. Um, Right. The initial like Operation Iraqi Freedom. So when that so happened, also, what they did. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Um, so I just wanted to back up because I completely, this completely just went over my head. But you joined just a few months before 9-11. Yes. I was in boot camp when 9-11 happened. Um, so okay. it was really scary because we just had no information. Yeah. Um, we were on the parade deck practicing drilling which is basically like we're outside on this paved area um, practicing, like marching. Um, mm -hmm. And they called us over and they told us what was happening. Um, wow. And so it was really, it was really scary because you didn't have access to anything. You know, I couldn't pick up the phone and call my mom. I couldn't just like turn on the TV or turn on the radio. Like you're really limited There's to no the Facebook. information that you have. <laughs> right. We didn't. Yeah. We couldn't get on there, you know, we couldn't get on, we couldn't get on the internet. Like there's no, we, we weren't reading newspapers. We're just in this, you know, this bubble of boot camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 9-11 happened. Yeah. In boot camp. And so we knew that actually like really kind of amped up the mentality of the training of like something just happened and there's a really good chance that you guys are going to deploy. Like we don't know when, we don't know where, like, but there's, things are happening in the world. And so this training you need to take very seriously because you are going to use it. Sure. Um, I want you to finish the story about regarding uh, March, 2003, but I think that is a good place to stop for um, the part one. Um, okay. Thank you for joining us for the first part of Jessica's story. For part two, tune into the next episode of the Homeland Harris Salute. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org. Thank you to our production team at DairyCam, creating connection through story for a better world. Learn more by visiting dairycam.org. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts.